Change is coming. Starts today. God is here. I don't know if you can tell or not, but actually, this is a new day. The sun has not come up, and I wanted to talk about this topic today in particular. In that moment, right in between when the night is passing and the day is beginning, and we're reminded that God's mercies are new every morning, including His mercies to change us. We're talking about character change. By the way, I was talking with a friend of mine, Tom, recently he's part of our community, and he was noticing one character strength is a definite virtue that's absolutely pivotal that's not in the 24. Do you know what it is? Uh, stay tuned because I think probably next time I'm going to add it as just a bonus piece of character growth. Now today I want to talk about what really ties all of this together, and that is the presence of God, developing the capacity for spiritual connection, for a sense of the sacred, cultivating sacred moments. I'll talk for a minute about a clinical story, but then I'll move to what's quite practical. There's a book by a Columbia professor, Lisa Miller, called The Awakened Brain. And she cites an amazing amount of research in this story that talks about how human beings simply flourish better in every regard, in our relationships and our mental and emotional health, in freedom from addictions and so on. When we have a sense of transcendent connection and purpose, when we can talk about our faith and about a larger world beyond this, we are wired for this. It's a fascinating book. And she tells one story about how she had been uh, invited to present some findings for a uh, very intimidating um, group of social scientists and the uh, leader at Columbia who had invited her to do that, introduced her, and she did it. And she met quite a lot of skepticism, and people said, these findings can't be true. It must be social connection. can't actually be spirituality. So it was kind of a difficult presentation. Afterwards, the chair of the department invited her back in and said, I want to tell you a story. Over the years, my wife and I have become quite close to Luann, the administrative assistant in this department. A few years ago, Luann's mother, who was in her 90s, fell ill with a terminal condition, and Luann asked us to visit her. When we sat in her room, having tea, Luann's mother was propped up in bed, very ill. I asked her how she was feeling. She said, oh, I'm not worried at all. She gave me this peaceful, knowing smile and said, you know, my bags are packed. I'm going to meet my maker. And I was thinking about um, one of you that I was in touch with this week where that's the story, that's the journey. Bags are packed. Dr. Schaefer looked at me, eyes beaming. Isn't that something, he said. And then he went on to tell her that he had nominated her for a uh, faculty scholars award that came with a grant. And she got that, got another one. Nobody had ever gotten those two grants before just for looking at the power of spiritual connection in people's lives. So clinically, all kinds of research to indicate this is a very good thing. But what I want to talk to you now is what do you do practically? So I'll start with this. There's something that happens in the Bible quite a lot. In Genesis chapter 8, after all that time on the ark, Noah lands. If you were Noah, what would you do? Uh, I think I might want to go for a walk or maybe have some food finally that wasn't there on the boat or have a little introverted me alone time after being cramped up like that. Mo uh, Noah does none of those things. Instead, we're told that he builds an altar. An altar is a special place. It's a sacred place for a sacred moment when you can sacrifice to God and worship God. When God calls Abraham, uh, 
In Genesis chapter 12, we're told that Abraham builds an altar so that he can mark that moment, so that he can remember that he has been, that he is in the presence of God. Now, what's interesting is, like with uh, Abraham and even more with Noah, you know, there was no Bible back then. There was no Torah. There was no Israel yet. There were no instructions about doing this. It's not just Israel that built altars. Altars were ubiquitous, universal in the ancient world. There's something inside of us that wants to cultivate sacred moments that is looking for God. And we see this all through the Bible. In, in the book of Joshua, after the Israelites passed through the Jordan River, God says, now I want you to do something. I want you to get 12 stones That'll help you to remember there's 12 tribes. I want my people to be complete and pile them up. And then someday when your children see those stones and say, what are those stones about? You tell them these are the um, reminders of what God has done for us. God has led us through this. Um, later on in the book of 1 Samuel, when Israel has been facing a huge problem and God delivers them from their enemies, the Philistines, Samuel takes a stone and he gives the stone a name. He calls it Ebenezer. And that means stone of help. And he says, this is to help us to remember that thus far the Lord has helped us. Particularly powerful story about this is in the life of um, Jacob. When um, he is running away because he stole the inheritance from his brother. He's afraid his brother's going to kill him. He's got no friends. And it says, when he reached a certain place, Genesis 28, 11, doesn't tell us where, because it could be any place. It could be right where you are right now. He stopped for the night because the sun had set. He took one of the stones there and put it under his head and lay down to sleep. And then he had this vision of a ladder, Jacob's ladder, only it's not a ladder that Jacob would climb up. It's a ladder that through which heaven would come down. And when he wakes up, he says, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't aware of it. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. If you've ever heard that phrase, heaven's gate. The kingdom of God has come near. See, that's the gospel of Jesus. Way back in the Old Testament, it's available in this moment, in this place, wherever you are. One of the things that struck me about doing this just this morning, because I can wrestle so much with I forget to even talk to God when I'm trying to pray. I, I know I'm not anywhere near what I'm supposed to be. Don't try to be different. Just be with. God is asking you now. God will work on the different stuff. And there are things to do. But when it comes to being with God, don't try to be different. Just, God, I want to be with you right now. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he'd placed under his head, set it up as a pillar, poured oil on it. He called that plate Bethel. Because that, that, that means the house of God, Beth house El God, the house of God, heaven's gate, Beth El, the house of God. And he made a commitment. He made a vow. He made a decision. If God will be with me and watch over with me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I can return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Now, I don't know that this is the ultimate and unconditional devotion and humble commitment. You know, God, if you do this stuff, I'll... but it was enough for God to get started on a life with Jacob together. Up until that time, he'd been the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac. Now he's going to be the God of Jacob. So here's the invitation right now. Make this a sacred moment. You might take a stone. I have a little stone on my desk and it was 
from a time when I was with somebody that I love very much, and it was a holy moment. There was something redemptive that I didn't know if it would ever happen, and it did. And so I just picked up a little stone. We were outside on a river and took it with me, and I have marked the when that moment took place. And that's a holy, that's a stone of remembrance for me. There's another little rock that Nance and I have in another place, uh, quite a long ways away from here and, and some time ago. But just knowing that it's there is a helpful thing to me. So whatever object might help you to cultivate a sacred moment, maybe it's a wedding ring and you make that commitment. Maybe it's the picture of a good friend. I have a friend where a sacred object for us is a can of bean and ballpark soup. No kidding. Maybe it's a gesture. Condoleezza Rice one time was um, being interviewed by Tim Russert, and he asked her a question, and she uh, suddenly made the sign of the cross, and he asked her, uh, did you just make the sign of the cross? And she said, yeah, when I'm with you, i got to bring out the big guns. Um, the dogs are out. This is a holy moment. Hey, guys, settle down. So whatever that is. Uh, <laughs> hey, relax, guys. Whatever that is right now, recognize God is right here in this place. And if he's here in this place, then all places can be holy. God is right here in this moment. If this moment can be holy, all moments can be holy. God, thank you that you have been with me. Thank you that this far you have helped me. God, thank you that for all of the troubles and difficulties that I have faced and face today, you have been faithful to me. And then if there's any decision that you're being called to make, like Jacob did, I'm going to follow God. I will seek to be with God today. Maybe just something real simple, an act of service for somebody, or a moment of celebration, or a way that you will surrender or pray through the day. Cultivate sacred moments. Just for today, don't be different. Just be with. Change is coming. One last thought I forgot to share, but it's too good. Madeline Lengel writes, Seekers and followers have often sensed the presence in circumstances far from comfortable. Lucy Shaw writes about this in her poem, Disciple, based on a passage in Luke. Foxes lope home at dusk, each to his sure burrow. Every bird flies the twilight to her downline nest. Yet come with me to learn a stern new comfort, the earth's bed, me on guard at your side. And like Pilgrim Jacob, a stone for a pillow. Stone for a pillow sounds really strange to us. Till we remember that very few people on this planet go to bed at night on soft pillows. In Japan, the headrest is often made of wood. In some countries, it simply is the ground. Sometimes a warm rounded stone can be a good pillow, reminding me that I am indeed in the house of God, that wherever I call upon my maker is always God's house. Hey, it's Tim. I'm the producer here at Become New. I wanted to let you know if you'd like more resources or teaching from John, you can find it at our website, becomenew.com. Also, if you'd like to receive a text alert or the daily email that goes along with each video, let us know at becomenew.com slash subscribe. 
Lastly, if you need prayer, we'd love to pray for you. There's a group of us who meet each weekday, Monday through Friday, to pray over requests that are sent in from listeners. And so you can text us your prayer requests at the number 855-888-0444. We'll catch you next time.